Amen. So I hope everybody had an awesome Thanksgiving. And as you can imagine, today we're going to be talking about thanks, giving thanks, but maybe from a little bit different slant. And uh, Thanksgiving is a great time of year to remind us to think outside of ourselves, right? And it does that automatically, but how often do we really go beyond that? Really beyond our realm here, our understanding here, and try to gain the perspective of God, right? So I want to tell you a little bit about, and we're, we're going to begin this, this thought process by the very first Thanksgiving that there ever was, okay? And in 16, really it was 1621, but in 1623 it became a religious holiday. But two years before that, the pilgrims, they were out thanking God for the harvest that they had received, right? Thanking God for what he had given them. Now imagine their lives, okay? If, if you've gone to other countries, perhaps you went to Mexico and saw how the Chichimeca live. Um, I just went to Ghana, saw how, how many of them live. You can imagine by experiencing that how the pilgrims lived. You know, it wasn't like go on inside, turn on the AC, hit the pool if it's a little warm out. <laughs> it wasn't like what we're used to here, right? It was... America, but it was, not, it was not the America we know. It was the same land, but it was a very hostile environment. It, it was a very difficult living. Now, these people came over from a place that was much better to live in. You know, they, they were coming over from England with the idea of settling a new territory, with the idea of of being in a place where they could have religious freedom. That's what ended up a hundred years later, 150 years later, becoming the focal point of us separating ourselves from England. So they came over here with the idea that God wanted them to do something new, something different. But it was a difficult life. But yet that first Thanksgiving... In 1621, they gave thanks. In a difficult life that they were in, they gave thanks. They gave thanks because of a great harvest. This happened to be the first harvest. Now, keep in mind, prior to this, there had been pilgrims. There had been others that had come to try to establish colonies in the States and died and left because they couldn't do it. But by this time, the Indians had shown the colonialists, if I'm getting that right, or the pilgrims, how to plant American corn, or in that case, it was Indian corn. And that produced in the, for them a staple that got them through winter, that got them through some of the tough things. So they were thankful that God got them through that year. They were thankful that, that they had this great harvest, this unexpected yield. But yet they were living in difficulty. They were living in turmoil. I was reading about this, and, and their celebration lasted a week. It was a week long, 
and, and basically the Indians that had shown them how to plant these crops came and spent about three days with them. Now, the Indians were about a 20-hour walk away, if I recall correctly. It might have been two days. There was a two in there somewhere. But they were a ways away. So when they came and spent three days with them, they spent three days with them. They had to build little temporary shelters to be with them because they didn't have a hotel that they could go down the street and just stay in. They didn't have room that they could be in because the pilgrims barely had room enough for them. They had barely established themselves enough to have shelter for them. But yet they spent an entire week of celebration. An entire week of God thanking God for his provision. Now why do I say this story? It's because if you put yourself in their minds, you understand they had a different perspective on God's provision than we do today. And, and I, know, I know you've probably heard a, a hundred messages about how we're so spoiled and we have everything and we this and we that and we ought to be grateful. That's not what this message is. We ought to be grateful. But it's more about the perspective of being thankful for whatever God gives. Whatever he does. Whatever he allows. Sometimes he allows difficult things in our lives. Are you ever thankful for that? I know one of the toughest things I ever went through in my life was my freshman year of college. And it was a life-changing event for me. It literally took, and you've heard my testimony, I'm sure, before, but it, it took my path of going one direction, shifted it to another direction. That's how impactful it was on my life. At the time, I wasn't real thankful for it. <laughs> As a matter of fact, I didn't have the perspective to understand that God was doing something with it. But see, he was. And later I came to understand that that moment in my life has taught me a great deal about what God wants to do with my life. Has taught me a great deal about the spiritual warfare that is over my life. So it gives us a perspective of thanks when we get outside of ourselves as Christians and we try to see our lives the way God sees our lives. I'm going to get back into that a little bit later, but understand that, that the pilgrims, when they came, their perspective of thanks was because of what God promised and how God provided. See, they came here in hope. They came here in hope of a better place. They came here in hope of the freedom to worship how they want to worship. The freedom to live how they knew God wanted them to live. They came here in hope. So what they were thanking God for was Hope. Hope of what he's going to do in their lives. And you know, they, they weren't stupid. They knew this wasn't all going to happen in their lifetime. They came here with the understanding that they were the tip of a spear. 
starting something that would be carried on by their children, their children's children, their children's children's children. It would be carried on, but they were the tip of that spear. They were the very activation of God's will in that place. So when they were in this level of thanking Him, they were thanking Him for what was to come. See, we find ourselves in that very place today. We have promises that God has given us. Brooke prayed about one a little bit earlier after the worship. This building that has been given to us. See, you might think in a worldly term that we don't thank him for that until we're in it. But that's putting the cart before the horse. See, in his kingdom, our name's already on the deed. And in his kingdom, we've already been given it. In his kingdom, we are already operating in that realm. So we thank him for it now. We thank him for the very vision he's given us as a church. You know, this morning I purposely didn't come here early. Because I wanted to stay back and I wanted to just pray. And I wanted to just worship. And so I got to do that this morning for about an hour and a half. And just lay everything out for him. And you know, when you do that, he communes with you. When you give him thanks, he shows up. And what he showed me this morning in confirmation was so many things that he is going to do. Didn't show me anything new. He just showed me additional things that he's doing in Ignition Church. Where we'll be a year from now. Do you know we're coming up on our anniversary? December 7th of last year was the first Sunday that we did, I guess it was small group, whatever it was. But December 7th was the first day, the first Sunday. We're coming up on that now. And I look back at what he's done over this last year and see what you have to understand from the outside looking in, it doesn't look like much. We're still in a house. We're still, you know, 40 to 50 people. We're still you know, doing our worship from tracks. But see, he's shown so much more. Because we know by his calling, we're going to be all over the world. We know that we're going to be in a building that seems ridiculous for a church like it. It's certainly not. I'm a businessman. I've been a businessman for 25 years. And it makes no sense business-wise that a group of 40 to 50 people would be looking at a church the size of a super Walmart. Makes no sense. Certainly no business sense. But see, it makes sense to God. Because he's taking this group of people, he is molding them into something that he wants to use purely. We are set aside, we're different For one reason and one reason only. Because we've told him whatever you want. 
We, we desire to place no parameters on God. We know the calling that he's given us. And even before he gave that calling, I prayed that prayer. God, whatever you would want to do in my life. This was long before I ever knew we'd be a church. God, whatever you want to do in my life, wherever you want to take me, I'll go. Whatever you want me to do, I'll do. Whatever sacrifice you want me to make, I'll make. See, because he changed my perspective. He changed my perspective from what was right in front of me to seeing what he saw. To seeing a much bigger picture than what I could see right in front of me. So as you have been called to Ignition Church, you have been called to that very same thing. You have been called to a perspective bigger than your eye's capability. Than what you could see. But it's a choice. It's a choice if you have that perspective or not. Because when you begin to see God as you, as God sees you and sees your surroundings, you can't help but have a thankful spirit. You can't help but thank him for things that haven't even happened yet. But see, to him they have. Because when he promises it, it's written in stone. It's for sure. It's definite. So to him it's happened. When we gain that perspective and we see the very same thing that he does, we see that it's happened, we can't help but give thanks for something that hasn't happened yet. See, I thank God for every one of those snowflakes that represents a soul. And I can picture that there's going to be times in heaven where we set aside and we get all those people together. And just say, just say for this, these few moments, we're going to worship just together because of what God did in this short time frame on this earth, in us. Can you picture that? See, you need to. You need to open your mind and see our future as God sees our future. It's well beyond this life as we're going to get into. And when we have that, it automatically gives us this perspective of praise, of thanks. Giving thanks is a perspective of our current condition. And thanksgiving is to be a state of mind. Okay, it's a state of mind, by the way, we control. This isn't something that you give the control to God and, well, God, make me thankful when you want me to be thankful. <laughs> no. No, it's not that. It's just like our sanctification. God says, take a step toward me, then I'll take a step toward you. Be thankful to him. He will receive that gratitude. He will revel in that gratitude. But it's our choice, it's our control of our own lives that puts us in that perspective of thanks, thanksgiving. There are three things that a thankful perspective produces. Three things. And we're going to turn to some things here. I want you to turn to Psalm 
100, verse 4. <coughs> Psalm 100, verse 4. A thankful heart, and this is the first one, one of three. A thankful heart brings us into the presence of God. Brings us into his presence. Psalm 100, verse 4 says this. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. See, things are different when you enter his gates solemn. When you enter his gates depressed. When you enter his gates angry. There is no blessing. There is no honoring of him when we do that. It's a mistrust. It's a feeling like we have lacked what he promised us. So to enter his gates, and the only gate, by the way, that I could find in the Bible that, are, that is his gate was the gate at the tabernacle, which also in turn became the gate in the temple. It was the gate where you entered the holy place. Enter his gate with thanksgiving. See, we have to have an attitude of praise. We have to have a grateful heart to enter his presence. You know, one of the church's mantras is Matthew 6.33. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added unto you. You know, and, and I preached a few weeks ago about the gate, uh, the keys to that very kingdom, love, hope, and faith. But you know, I realized there's another key. As I was studying this yesterday, I understood that verse to mean to walk in those gates, to open those gates, to unlock those gates, to walk into his presence. You have to have thankfulness. You have to have this joy of Him. Thanking Him for what He's done. Thanking Him for what He will do. Thanking Him for who He is. Regardless of your situation. Regardless of what you're going through. It doesn't matter. I was going to give this illustration later. and Man, God just keeps beating me up about this. I'm going to do it now. Perspective is an important thing. It is literally the core that changes our attitude. It is the core piece that changes our hearts. Perspective. Paradigms. What we think of something. When we have a thought on something, we have this list of rules that it's applied to. This list of things that this perspective is based upon. But what happens when God wants us to have a different perspective? And you've got to go back and you've got to change that list of rules. You've got to go back and change that list of things that force you to believe one way or another. You all see this rope here. Okay, this rope. Now this one is cut off after 50 feet, but I need you to imagine with me that it doesn't end. Okay, God gave me this... this um, illustration 
I think I first gave it to the young people two years ago. But I didn't use a rope. I used a linear line. You guys remember that? Well, God had placed it on my heart that I need to use this as, as an illustration. And then yesterday, just by chance, I happened to see Francis Chan use the same illustration. And he used a rope. So I thought, that's awesome. I'm going to go get a rope. It's great. It worked perfect. So imagine this white rope is forever. This is your life. This rope represents your life forever. Eternal. Because whether you are saved or you are not saved, your life will continue eternally. In either heaven or hell, you will not cease to exist. You will continue to exist forever. That's what this represents. Okay, now I want you to picture it as a Christian. As a Christian, we have eternity with Jesus Christ. When we accepted him into our heart as Savior, he sent the Holy Spirit to indwell in us, Ephesians 1, 13 and 14 says, until we receive our inheritance, which our inheritance is eternity. It's this white rope, forever and ever. So it's guaranteed to us. Our justification is guaranteed. We can't even give it back if we want to. We are on this linear line forever. Okay, so imagine that. Now take this little red piece. This little red piece represents our lives here on this earth. This little red piece, about three inches long, is our 70 years or 80 years, whatever we have here. This represents our life on this earth. Compare that to the rest of the rope. Compare that to eternity. See, that's the perspective we need. Because now if you see your life in this way, it changes things about how you live your life. It changes things about your perspective of God. Because, see, most people and most Christians, they invest their whole life. They invest their money. They invest their careers. They invest their living, their kids. Everything is built toward this little period at the end of their life called retirement. This little, I'm going to say a half inch. It's probably not even that much. This little three quarters of a, or a third of an inch, whatever it is, at the end of this red line, they spend their entire lives building to that point. Taking care of them, taking care of their families, trying to teach them in the best way. And that's all okay and that's all good. But see, that's a perspective of three inches of this rope. What if you change your perspective? What if you see your life as God sees your life? Now instead of three inches, you start to see the whole rope. And you start to see how important eternity is to God. How important it should be to you. And you begin to search the scriptures and you understand that this eternity that we're going to be in is affected by these little three inches that we have here. Certainly for our justification, certainly for us going to heaven or hell, 
But even beyond that. See, because the Bible says that we are capable of earning rewards. Now those rewards, the Bible says, are eternal rewards. That means this long, linear white rope, forever and ever. So if there are no rewards, you still have the long rope forever and ever. But not the rewards that God promises you. And I don't want to get off onto a rabbit trail with that, but I need you to understand that the investment that we make in this life is not for the last 10, 15 years of our life. But it's for the eternity that lays before us. As a businessman, when I see this, it makes perfect sense to me. Why would I invest in a few years of my life, or the majority of my life, my earthly life, to benefit the last 10, 15 years, when I could invest that entire time that I am here on this earth to benefit my eternity? See, that's perspective. That's perspective. When you start looking at it that way, you start to understand and you begin to say, God, whatever. Whatever you want. Wherever you want to take me. It doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter how young you are. That perspective that God gives of allowing yourself to just say, whatever. Not, I will never, God, I'll do whatever you want, but don't ever send me to Africa. By the way, be careful saying stuff like that, because that's the very place he'll send you. Because it's about obedience. But it's whatever, God. It's whatever, because even if you take my life, even if you bring me to a place where I suffer for you, by the way, praise God, if that's the case. The disciples, Peter said, I praise God for the opportunity to suffer for you. That is a privilege. But boy, it's not if you don't have that perspective. If you don't have that perspective of eternity, suffering is horrible. Imagine those Christians in Iran that were beheaded by ISIS. And imagine their families I read an article about their family's reaction to that. And their reaction was love. Their reaction was, they don't know what they're doing. Their reaction was, they need Jesus Christ and his love because they have no love in their lives. See, for them to even be able to have that kind of reaction... They had to have an eternal perspective. They had to see beyond the suffering. They had to see beyond the time that God gives us here on earth. They had to see eternally how that would impact the body of Christ. You have to do the same. You have to see your life for how God wants to impact this world, here and now, and for eternity. Not just how am I going to pay the bills. 
man, if we got the perspective that he, he already promised that, it would open our eyes to so many things. I used to worry all the time about paying the bills. I used to worry all the time about growing the business. About meeting the needs of the people working for me. When God freed me of that, through giving me a new perspective, I don't worry about it anymore. And guess what? He still takes care of it. Even more so now because I do it with a grateful heart. I do it with a thankful heart. But I do it because he has a plan for me. He has a plan for you. He has a plan for Ignition Church. And that plan is not to just affect these three inches here. That plan is to affect all of eternity. Gain that perspective. So remember the first thing about a thankful heart a thankful perspective, is it brings us into the presence of God. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. And one of those keys is going in through a thankful heart. The second one is a thankful heart gets God's attention. Turn to Psalm 50. (coughs) This is a very interesting psalm. I, I I almost preached just on this psalm. And, and, and then God didn't want me to do that. But I, I want to encourage you to go back and study this entire psalm. It's basically broken down into two categories. It's the category of, of those who are God's people. In this case, it was Israel. You, can, you could think of it in today's language as the church. Okay, it, it, was, it was those who follow God versus those who do not follow God. But yet they were all... Israel. When you study this psalm, it was all Israel, those who followed God in Israel, those who didn't follow God in Israel. In today's um, uh, comparison, you could think of it as the church. It's all the church. When you study this, just go back, think of it with this paradigm, that it's all the church. But then the first part of that psalm, he's talking about those in the church who follow him. Not, Not saved. I'm talking about those who are living and seeking a sanctified life versus those who are saved but are not seeking a sanctified life. So, anyways, I, I set that aside. I would encourage you to look at it later. But, but a thankful heart gets God's attention. Let's read verses 14 and 15. Offer to God a sacrifice of thanksgiving. And perform your vows to the Most High. Call upon me in the day of trouble. I will deliver you, and you shall glorify me. The part I want to really key on is that first sentence. Offer to God a sacrifice of thanksgiving. You know what, before we go on, let's, let's read 22 and 23. Mark this then, you who forget God. This is after he talked about those who who were not seeking him. Mark this then, you who forget God, lest I tear you apart and there be none to deliver. The one who offers thanksgiving as his sacrifice glorifies me. To one who orders his way rightly, I will show the salvation of God. 
That last part is, is as we live our lives seeking him, he shows that path of sanctification. He shows his will for our lives. When we open our eyes, when we gain the perspective of listening to him and opening ourselves to whatever he wants, taking down those barriers of, well, God, you can have everything but this. When we knock all that down and, and gain just a complete perspective of doing his will, he then does what he says in that last phrase. I will show you the salvation of God. I will show you the sanctification of your life. I will take you down those paths of understanding him in intimacy and the intimacy of that relationship. But I want to point out something here in terms of thanksgiving. We read a couple verses there about offering a sacrifice of thanksgiving. See, that's why thanksgiving is not just after he does something for us. For it to be a sacrifice means that we are asking, we are praising him, we are thanking him ahead of his provision. I give you thanks, Lord, for what you are doing and what you will do in my life. For you young people that that are in school and you have you have just your whole life ahead of you and what God would do in your life, begin thanking him for what he has for you. You may not even know yet fully what he has, but he's revealed some things. Thank him for them, even if they've not happened yet. Thank him for those things that he reveals to you. In his word, or in your intimate time with him, thank him for those. That thanks is to be a sacrifice. What is a sacrifice? It's something that we don't want to do. (laughs) Nobody wants to sacrifice. I don't want to sacrifice something that I consider loss. And if I don't consider it loss, it's not a sacrifice. Just like giving. If you're giving out of abundance, it's not a sacrifice. I hate to tell you that, but it's not. We're called to sacrifice. We're called to cut into the bone of our lives and what we give him. You know, count the cost of your salvation. God says in 1 Corinthians 3, count the cost. Understand what it cost you when you received the free gift of eternal life. Many people don't understand that. See, because there is either a cost here, or there is a cost there. Us drawing closer to Jesus Christ has a cost. Why? Because it cost him everything. It cost Jesus Christ his very life. It cost him having the sin of the world put on his shoulders. So it cost him everything. It cost the father everything. It cost the father the life of his only son. Can you ima- I, I can't imagine as a father watching my child being killed for something they didn't do and they don't deserve. I think of the patience the father had. 
wow, I know I couldn't watch that. If I saw my son hanging on a cross undeservedly, taking on the sin of the world, there would be no time for me to get down there and make that right. There would be no time that it would take for me to destroy everyone who was doing that to him. But see, the father had a different perspective. See, the father saw what that sacrifice would produce. That that sacrifice would produce the capability of relationship. The capability of intimacy with Jesus Christ. And without that, it wouldn't even be possible. So because of that perspective, God allowed it to happen. Perspective is important. How we look at things are important. And a thankful heart gets God's attention. He said, offer that sacrificial thanksgiving to me. And call upon me in the day of trouble, it says in verse 15. And I will deliver you, and you shall glorify me. That's a promise. That's a promise you could claim. He didn't say, offer sacrifice of thanksgiving to me, and when you call upon my name, I'll consider it. I'll think about helping you at that point. We'll see you have a really good chance, (laughs) right? If we go for a car loan and we have a really good chance, doesn't mean we get it. See, it's not like God's promises. God said, I will deliver you and you shall glorify me. He delivers us because he gets glory out of it. He gets glory out of our lives being submissive to him. When we have a thankful perspective, thanking God for what he's taking us through, thanking God for what is in our future, what he's revealed, he gets glory in that. Amen? Number three, a thankful heart defeats the enemy. I want you to turn to Second Chronicles. A thankful heart defeats the enemy. Second Chronicles Chapter 20, verse 20 through 22. Second Chronicles 20, verse 20 to 22. <coughs> it says this, verse 20. And they rose early in the morning and went out into the wilderness of Tekoa. And when they went out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, Judah, and inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God, and you will be established. Believe his prophets, and you will succeed. And when he had taken counsel with the people, he appointed those who were to sing to the Lord and praise him in holy attire. As they went before the army and say, Give thanks to the Lord, for his steadfast love endures forever. Verse 22. And when they began to sing and praise, the Lord set an ambush against the men of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, who had come against Judah so that they were routed. 
Basically what happened there was you have three armies coming against Jerusalem. Okay, three armies coming against them, against Judah. And all these three armies, the second that the people started giving thanks and praising, the second that happened, what, what they did is they started fighting each other. And they literally destroyed each other. Judah didn't have to do a thing with it. All they had to do was give thanks and praise. It reminds me of another time in Jericho, right? When, when the Israelites went over the Jordan, they went into Jericho to take the city of Jericho, right? And it's this high-walled city. God didn't say, I'll, I'll send hailstones and I'll knock down the walls so you could go in and fight them. He didn't say, here's the plan to infiltrate Jericho. No, what did he say? He said, march around the city each day for seven days. And then the seventh day, march around it seven times. And then do what? Shout. Shout praise. Give thanks. Give that sacrifice of thanks. Because that activated the very power that destroyed the city. See, the walls came down. I don't know if you're connecting with this or not. But see, the God of the Bible is the same God that works in your life today. This is not just me up here preaching. This is not just me trying to get you to, you know, spend, spend 45 minutes to an hour hearing something. This is life-changing. This is army-building. This literally changes the world. And it begins with perspective. It begins with that sacrifice of thanks. Why? Because that's what defeats the enemy. Do you understand there's something the enemy cannot comprehend? He cannot comprehend love. He cannot comprehend thanks. He cannot comprehend that intimacy with Jesus Christ. So when you activate those very things, you activate a power he cannot defeat. If you're having trouble in your life, if you're struggling in your life over something, try giving thanks. Try showing love. Because that trouble is activated by the enemy of your life. The enemy who would see you discouraged defeated, downtrodden. He just wants you in the dirt. So the weapons that we use against him are the very weapons he doesn't understand. Love. Thanksgiving. Jesus, thank you. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your intimacy. Thank you for your provision. Thank you because you are Almighty God. You came and you suffered on this earth for me. Thank you. Thank you, God. Thank you, Father, for what you gave to me and your Son. That by that sacrifice, I could be close to you. That by that sacrifice, you can look at me as perfect. You could accept me into your kingdom as frail and disgusting as I am. Thank you, God. Thank you, Father. 
Thank you, Holy Spirit, for the workings of you in my life. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for being the legs and the arms in the Spirit of Christ that works in my life. That is the very seal guaranteeing me to be with my Savior. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you. Do you know by doing that, the enemy is defeated. He is nowhere in this place. I can tell you that right now. The Father showed me that this morning. He showed me that this place was surrounded by warrior angels because this is a holy place. This is a holy place giving thanks to God. Not only can the enemy not be here, he doesn't want to be here. He doesn't want to be here. He doesn't get it. He doesn't understand it. And if you think that the enemy isn't really strategic like that, you need to really study that because he is. I'm reading a book right now by, and I think Alex started it as well, by John Ramirez. John Ramirez was one of the, the highest in authority satanic worshipers in the satanic church up in New York State. Yeah, that one right there. Yeah, it's kind of a scary cover, <laughs> but it's a great book. And he gave a perspective of understanding warfare because he, he comes from the other side. He had an encounter with Jesus Christ that, that led him to salvation. But prior to that, he used to, that one of the things that bugs me, bugs me so bad, and, and this I, had, I didn't read in the book, it's in his other book, but this is something that I saw in an interview that he did. When he first went into a church, see, he asked Satan permission for everything. And do you know Satan gave him permission to go to church? And he said, the reason, he said, are you sure? Why? He said, yeah. He said, they have no power there. And it breaks my heart to think that a church, and I know this applies to many churches in this world, but that a church would be there as an institution only. That their perspective was only what was in front of them. See, there's no power in that. That's not inviting the power of the Holy Spirit. That's not engaging the enemy in power. He wasn't afraid of them. In fact, John says in his book that, that the enemy is strategic in how he goes after people. But the thing I loved about it was he said there were people and there were areas he couldn't go. Where he couldn't even come close to that area. See, that's what's going on right here, right now. He can't even come close. Because we have a perspective of God doing a work beyond what is in front of us. 
We have a perspective in this church that he has a plan that he has already ordained. We already thank him for. He has already set in motion. And the fact that we thank him for it ahead of time gives him glory now. But do you understand when it happens, the glory he'll get? Do you understand when we have our first Sunday in that building that is just ridiculous for us to be in? Do you understand how much glory he'll get? For the, he'll get all of it. And not just from us. We glorify him now. We glorify him through this perspective of thanks. Now. Before it happens. When it does happen, the world will see it. When it does happen, those outside looking in will begin to glorify him. See, we have an opportunity to glorify from a different perspective, from a perspective of thanks, thanksgiving for what he is doing. You see, it's all about perspective. How we see the events of this life is all about perspective. When you face something difficult, your reaction is all about perspective. Do you see it through your eyes, or do you see it how God would see it? Do you see it with that little three inches of rope in perspective, or do you see it with the eternity in perspective? See, perspective will dictate your reaction. Perspective will dictate your thanks. What you do in your life, in your intimacy, with Jesus Christ is all filtered through your perspective. You want to be on fire for him. You want to be sold out for him. You've got to have his perspective. You've got to see things how he sees them. Don't see barriers where he doesn't see barriers. See, there's a lot of barriers in having a 150,000 square foot building. But he doesn't see any. He doesn't see any barriers. He doesn't see a cost involved. Because he already owns it. He already wrote our name on it. So if he doesn't see those barriers, why should we? What barriers are in your own life? Maybe financial barriers. Maybe relationship barriers. Maybe things that he's trying to use to teach you something where he doesn't see it as a barrier at all. He's, he sees it as an opportunity for you to gain a different perspective. An eternal perspective. He is constantly, in my, in my own experience, I've been saved 42 years, in my own experience, he has constantly been trying to change my perspective from mine to his. I think, if anything, that is the Christian life. 
That is the Christian walk. Is shifting our perspective from ours to his. Will you make that shift this morning? Will you recognize a bigger plan than what might be right in front of you? Will you recognize that you're part of something? You're not just a single Christian walking through life, but you're part of something that God has ordained, that God has called, that God expects sacrifice for. Sacrifice of thanksgiving. Sacrifice of giving. Sacrifice of prayer. See, he expects everything. Imagine what he could do with a church that just gives him everything. That puts no barriers up for him and just says, my whole job, God, is to get out of your way. That's my whole job. Help me not to do anything that gets in your way of what you want to do. Imagine a group of people like that. See, that's what we have here. That's what he's raising up. That's the army that he's raising up. That's the army that will partner with others, that will see that billion souls reached for Christ. Man, believe that. Gain that eternal perspective right now. Gain it because there's power in it. I just can't imagine what it's going to look like when God unleashes his full power in Ignition Church. It's coming. It's coming. Believe it. I can't imagine what that's going to be like. But I can imagine the results. Because the results are what he's promised. The results are all of those souls coming to know him coming to worship Him, coming to praise Him, thank Him. You have to see your part in this. You have to. Because if you're here, you play a part. You're not just somebody that can be off on the sidelines. I'm telling you, this is different than church. I don't even like calling us a church. What was prophesied over me in April, last April, was something that brought back, it it just hit me to my core. Because when I first started this ministry, the tagline wasn't, there's an army rising up. I changed that. And I, I think maybe my wife and Wendy are the only ones maybe that know about this. And they may not even know, I I don't know, but except that I've told them. The original tagline was, this is not a church, this is a movement. This is not a church, this is a movement. Now, I had to change that when we became a church. (laughs) But you've got to understand, this is so much more. God's intention is, is so much more. We are part of the body of Christ. We have a very specific role to play in that body. 
You have a role to play in this body. You can't hide. Because we need you. You can't be on the sidelines. Because God has an intent for your life in this ministry. But rest assured, at some point if we don't yield to him, he'll find somebody else. You know, I, I heard a great quote. And uh, it was from Elevation Church, the, the pastor at Elevation Church. And I'm going to see if I can find it here real quick. Because it's, yeah, here it is. I, I wrote this down. This was, I don't know, a year ago or a year and a half ago. If you get ahead of God, he can close a door to stop you. But if you get behind God because you won't obey him, he'll find somebody else. And that's true. Because he has a very unique and strong calling on Ignition Church. And the fact that you're here means that you have a part in that calling. I encourage you to seek him. To seek a perspective for him to show you what is that piece. What is that part? And he'll show you. But he won't show you until he changes your perspectives. See, he can't show us his will until you get his mind. He can't show us what he wants to do with our lives if we're not looking at it from his perspective, because it won't make sense. Because we're looking at it in a different paradigm, we won't even understand it. So if you're seeking God's will for your life, don't seek the individual details of that. Seek his perspective on your life. Because when you gain that, then he can show you his will and it'll make sense to you. And you'll be empowered by it. And then let him do his perfect work. There's an army rising up. Know that. Be a part of that. Because in part it's going to change the world. Let's pray.